The American Medical Association seeks a crackdown on anyone who bucks the radical gender ideology orthodoxy. Bros dies at the box office despite a $30 million marketing campaign. And star Billy Eichner blames straight Americans. And Elon Musk runs afoul of Ukrainian war hawks. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you may have noticed that inflation continues to be really, really, really horrifying. The current administration is racking up those interest rates in the attempt to drive down inflation, and it's not totally working. I mean, right now, the UN is even asking the United States to stop doing that specifically because it's damaging the world economy. Well, maybe at this point you've thought about diversifying. One place to diversify is into precious metals with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. The experts over at Birch Gold have almost 20 years of experience in converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers, why haven't you checked them out yet? Gold has always been your best hedge against inflation. A diversified savings can protect you from downturns in the market. If you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text Ben to 989898. You can convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Birch Gold Group has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Text Ben to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Take the necessary steps to hedge against inflation today. Protect your hard-earned money. Get your free info kit by texting Ben to 989898 right now. Also, speaking of your finances, right now, credit card balances are surging. And here's the thing. If you don't pay that credit card loan off, you will be behind the eight ball for the rest of your life. This is why you need to consolidate those credit card loans by calling my friends over at American Financing. They will give you a free, no obligation mortgage review. Their salary-based mortgage consultants will look at your entire financial picture, from your home loans, your equity, even your high interest debt, and they'll review all of it. They will show you a variety of custom loans that really can make a difference. They're currently saving listeners up to $1,000 a month and tens of thousands of dollars long-term. Make a 10-minute call to learn more. If you start soon, you could delay two payments on your mortgage. You might close in as fast as 10 days. Call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334. NMLS Again, the fact is that refinancing your mortgage could save you money. That might mean being able to pay down things like credit card debts, you got to have that cash in your pocket right now in a hard economic time. Head on over to AmericanFinancing.net. You got nothing to lose. 866-721-3300. Well, we now know that if you buck the radical gender orthodoxy, the radical gender ideology, they will come after you. We know this because school boards have been questioned by parents about transgender bathrooms, about the care for their own children at public schools. And the response has been, from school boards to basically go to the DOJ and ask for a crackdown on parents. Well, now we have supposed medical organizations writing an open letter to Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, calling for an actual legal crackdown on people who report on what is going on at hospitals that are essentially butchering children. Because that's what it is. When you're performing gender mutilating surgery, sex mutilating surgery on children, what you're doing is butchering them. When you're injecting small kids with puberty blockers, pretending that has no long-term impact without any evidence to back that notion, you are butchering the kids. And, and the fact that you have so many of these hospitals that are now doing this, that are treating this as though this is standard of care, it's not medicine, it is ideology, pure and simple, because the data is not there. It is simply that easy. The data do not exist for this notion. The vast majority of kids who express some sort of gender confusion will desist from that over time. The vast majority at this point of gender confusion is being driven by societal mania 
promoting that sort of gender confusion as the highest form of parenting. And to immediately take a kid who expresses some sort of confusion about conformity to gender stereotypes and say, you must be a member of the opposite gender. We're going to socially transition you in school. And then we're going to inject you with a bunch of cross-sex hormones. And then we are going to prepare you for sterilization and mutilation further along down the line. And then we're actually going to, once you hit 15, 16, 17 years old, cut off healthy breast tissue. We are going to cut off penile tissue. We are going to create fake vaginas, or we're going to carve off arm flesh, and we are going to create fake phalluses to sew onto you. This is barbarity. It's barbarity. It has nothing to do with medicine. But it is amazing how many of our institutions, institutions we all used to have faith in, have been completely overrun by the radical left. And now the radical left in charge of these institutions is militarizing and weaponizing those institutions against anyone who would point out that what they are doing is quite terrible. So here is the letter from the American Medical Association, as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Children's Hospital Association. And, and let me just tell you this. I know many, many doctors who are members of the AMA, and they do not have an alternative because the AMA is an organization that essentially provides accrediting services to hospitals. The AMA can essentially end your career if you refuse to go along with whatever diktats they are pushing. There's no rival organization that is anywhere near the size and scope of the AMA. And so I know doctors who are attempting to create alternatives to the AMA or to the AAP. Okay, but those alternatives don't exist right now. And so that monopoly means that these organizations which again are run by a cadre of very political, very left-wing activists, can simply market capture the medical community and then cram down a fake standard of care that has nothing to do with the betterment of children in the name of woke ideology. And here's what they say. Dear Attorney General Garland, on behalf of the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the Children's Hospital Association, collectively representing more than 270,000 physicians and more than 220 children's hospitals across the country, we write to urge you to investigate the organizations, individuals, and entities coordinating, provoking, and carrying out bomb threats and threats of personal violence against children's hospitals and physicians across the United States. Now, the key word there is provoking, because if you are actually coordinating bombing threats, on a hospital, that's that's criminal activity. You don't have to urge the DOJ to investigate that. That is a criminal activity, both state and federally. There are federal laws on the books that prevent you from committing these sorts of acts. And if you're talking about actually carrying out a bomb threat or a threat of personal violence, that, of course, has been illegal forever in the United States. I'm not allowed to threaten you with personal violence. That is the crime of assault. I'm not allowed to carry out a bomb threat. That is an actual crime of terrorism. The key word there is provoking. Because what they mean by provoking is telling the truth about what we do at our hospitals and driving people to object. And then some fringe characters out there go and threaten violence. And so we're going to blame you for that. You reporting is what is creating the threat of violence. And so you have to be stopped by the DOJ from reporting. That keyword, provoking. Provoking. Again, unless you call for somebody to commit an act of violence, you are not responsible for the violence that is then committed. I've held this standard across the board. I said this one million times. Barack Obama was not responsible for Dallas police officers being shot by a Black Lives Matter activist. Bernie Sanders was not responsible for Republican Congress people being shot by a Bernie Sanders acolyte. Donald Trump was not responsible for people doing acts of violence in his name unless he actively called for the violence to be done. And this is also true of people who are just committing the crime of reporting on what children's hospitals are doing to healthy 16-year-old girls who are now having mastectomies. Okay, and they continue. Again, they're calling on the Attorney General of the United States to violate the First Amendment here. That is what this is. From Boston to Akron to Nashville to Seattle, children's hospitals, academic health systems, and physicians are being targeted and threatened for providing evidence-based health care. Evidence-based is a, is a 
real mush word here because there is no evidence to suggest that the best treatment for a kid who expresses some level of gender nonconformity is to pretend they are a member of the opposite sex and then move them onto the path towards sterilization. These attacks have not only made it difficult and dangerous for institutions and practices to provide this care, they've also disrupted many other services to families seeking care. In one hospital, a new mother was prevented from being with her preterm infant because the hospital's neonatal intensive care unit was on lockdown due to a bomb threat. Children's hospitals across the nation have substantially increased security in addition to working with local and federal law enforcement, both on their main hospital campuses as well as across their ambulatory delivery sites in order to ensure the safety of patients, families, and medical staff who work there. In addition, some providers have needed 24-7 security. Children's hospitals and their medical staffs continue to face increased threats via social media, including to their personal accounts, coupled with harassing emails, phone calls, and protesters at healthcare sites. There's elevated and justifiable fear among families, patients, and staff. Now, up until they get to that last sentence, you're thinking, okay, those are all criminal acts, right? If you call in a bomb threat to a neonatal intensive care unit and kids can't actually get the care that they need at the ICU, well, obviously it's a crime. But you're now lumping that together with protesters at healthcare sites. So if somebody shows up with a placard outside the transgender child care unit over at Vanderbilt University, then this is now equivalent to issuing a bomb threat. It's the equivalent to threatening to shoot a doctor. That is what the AMA, the AAP, and the Children's Hospital Association are essentially saying. And to make that perfectly clear, they get to the next paragraph, quote, these coordinated attacks threaten federally protected rights to health care for patients and their families. The attacks are rooted in an intentional campaign of disinformation where a few high-profile users on social media share false and misleading information targeting individual physicians and hospitals, resulting in a rapid escalation of threats, harassment, and disruption of care across multiple jurisdictions. Our organizations have called on technology companies to do more to prevent this practice on digital platforms. We now urge your office to take swift action to investigate and prosecute all organizations, individuals, and entities responsible. Okay, so that is an amazing, amazing statement. That paragraph is just incredible. I mean, we, we all know who they're talking about here, right? They're talking about Matt Walsh over at Daily Wire. They're talking about libs of TikTok. They're talking about Chris Rufo. They're talking about me. They're talking about anyone who talks about these issues on the regular. Anybody who just plays audio of members of these children's hospitals talking about what they do to kids. If you just play the audio, this amounts to sharing false and misleading information targeting individual physicians and hospitals, resulting in rapid escalation of threats. Again, notice how they're not actually drawing the line between I report on a thing and then the threats occur. They're not saying that I provoked the threats in the sense that I actually called up somebody and told them to make a threat or that I called myself to make the threat or that I told somebody that threats are a good thing. They're saying that by reporting on a topic, you have now created the threat, which by the way, ends virtually all journalism in the United States. It's hard to think of a story that does not result in some additional risk to the target of a story. Like literally pick a political story, any of them. The most anodyne political story. Let's say, for example, how the media are going after Ron DeSantis in Florida right now over his handling of Hurricane Ian. Well, they keep lying. I mean, they keep saying that, that Ron DeSantis is doing a terrible job based on no evidence. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Is that heightening the risk to Ron DeSantis? If somebody took a pot shot at Ron DeSantis on the basis of that information, would CNN be responsible? How exactly does that work? Now, what if we're actually telling the truth about what's happening? See, the thing is they're angry because the truth is being told about what is happening at these children's hospitals, about the fact that the AMA and the AAP are not protecting kids. They're damaging children by buying into a completely evidence-free and in fact, anti-evidence-based care system driven by politically motivated organizations like WPATH, which is an activist organization, or GLAAD, an activist organization, or the Trevor Project, which puts out routinely bad data, skewed data, right? They take bad science and then they craft that into some sort of narrative promoted by medical associations. And if you report on this, then they say 
that the DOJ should crack down on you. They're openly saying that they are calling on big tech to crack down on anyone who dissents from the prevailing nonsense that they continue to purvey. Quote, our organizations have called on technology companies to do more to prevent this practice on digital platforms. What is this practice? Reporting, playing their own tapes for them. And don't you trust the AMA or the AAP on this sort of stuff? You can't even trust the fact checkers on simple things like, did Kamala Harris say that hurricane aid would be passed off on the basis of equity? And literally she said that over the last 48 hours and every fact checking organization then came out and said she was not saying that. So we are all being gaslit. And we now have the institutions that are supposed to be the most trusted institutions, you know, the institutions of medicine. If we were to talk about the single most trusted institution in the West, it would have to be the medical institutions, right? Because the simple fact is that over the course of the last couple of centuries, life expectancy has risen, death rates have dropped, and that means that you've had this explosion in life expectancy and in population. And so these are the people we're supposed to trust with the health of our children. But then they say that if your kid comes in, your little girl comes in one day and she wants to wear a cowboy hat, maybe she's a boy and we should start calling her Bobby. And then we should start shooting her full of hormones. And if you disagree with this, they will blame you for anyone who threatens a children's hospital. Not only that, they're calling on the, again, it's a letter to the AG. It's a letter to Merrick Garland. Quote, we urge your office to take swift action to investigate and prosecute all organizations, individuals, and entities responsible. They are calling for the prosecution of people like Libs of TikTok or like Matt or like me. This is fascistic stuff. I don't use that word lightly because fascism has an actual meaning. But when you call for the actual prosecution of your political opponents, specifically based on the fact that they are doing things like reporting the things that you say, that is like black letter fascism. They continue along these lines. Attacks against healthcare institutions that threaten violence, intimidation, and physical harm have left hospitals, staff, and their communities shaken. Families seeking care at these institutions, as well as those providing their care, fear for their personal safety in the wake of these attacks. On behalf of the patients and families we serve and the physicians we represent, we thank you for your attention to our request. And again, they use phrases like gender-affirming care, which is just a propagandistic phrase. Gender-affirming care is one of the most Orwellian phrases in human history. See, it is the opposite of the truth. They should call it sex-denying care because gender is a made-up concept in the first place. Gender is supposedly the idea that there are social standards that apply to males that don't apply to females and females that don't apply to males. And they are all social constructs, which is absolutely not true because gender is indeed connected to sex. There's a reason why men and women act differently. And those are biologically ingrained. That does not mean that every stereotypical activity of a woman can't be participated in by a man or vice versa. But it means that generally speaking, there is a dichotomy between men and women that is biologically based. And that is undeniable because it exists in the primate kingdom as well. It is not just relegated to humanity. But if you, if you say this much, then this alone, I suppose, is, is provocative. This is scary stuff. And it should be scary stuff because it is part of a broader agenda on behalf of the left to suggest that anybody who doesn't go along with this wicked agenda, it is wicked, that anybody who doesn't go along with this, they, their kids should essentially be taken away from them. Because after all, they're abusing their kids. The best, the finest among us are people who are the parents who say that their kids are trans. Now, you wonder why the, the transgender phenomenon is occurring in specifically blue areas, and it is. If you look statistically, it is extraordinarily high rates of transgender identity in places like LA, New York, Chicago, like all the big left-wing centers, you're seeing a massive increase in gender non-conforming identities. You're not seeing it in rural Alabama. Now, the left says that's because of bigotry. If it weren't for bigotry, I guess all of us would be doing that. It would just be widespread across the earth. It had been bottled up apparently up until now throughout civilization. But now magically we've reached an evolutionary bottleneck where suddenly 
magically, huge swaths of children are now gender non-conforming. They're, they're gender non-binary widgets who could be members of the opposite sex. Or alternatively, what we have here is Munchausen syndrome by proxy for a lot of parents who are being told by the media and by medical associations that what makes you a good parent is being so deeply attuned to the needs of your child that before they can even speak, you can see that they're actually a member of a non-binary class, that they are actually a member of another sex. And the best thing that you can do is not foist the expectations of society on them. Instead, foist the expectations of a left-wing social agenda on them. Instead, pretend that gender is completely a social construct, but transgenderism is not a social construct in any way, shape, or form. That this thing that's been invented over the course of the last 20 years, I'm not talking about gender dysphoria, which is an actual condition. I'm talking the broad, widespread societal creation of a phenomenon known as transgenderism, where a man without any sort of persistent gender dysphoria can simply declare he is a woman, and we immediately start using his pronouns and treating him as a woman. Pretending this, adherence to this, makes you the most sensitive, the most gracious, the most independent-minded parent ever, the most sympathetic parent, and then you wonder why parents are doing this to their kids. This is why. And here's the thing. If you don't, then the left will come after you. There's an amazing story from Luke Rosiak over at Daily Wire. This is precisely, I would assume, the kind of story that the left doesn't want reported. The story is about this big walkout at Virginia schools over Virginia's transgender policy. Now, lest you forget, the transgender policy in Virginia is that you cannot socially transition children at school without telling their parents. If Bobby comes to school and says, I want to be called Jane, it used to be in Virginia that everyone at school could start calling him Jane, treating him as a girl, and never tell mom and dad. So the new governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, he came in, he changed that policy. He says, kids, parents have to be involved in the care of their children. So there's a big walkout, all the, maybe a thousand students, a couple thousand students, which, you know, is it across a dozen schools or a hundred schools, however many schools it was. It was 12,000 people walked out of class across presumably hundreds of schools. Now, those are numbers, but they're not unbelievable. Not In any case, numbers big enough to get media attention. So what is the, one of the groups behind the walkout is a Virginia pro-trans group with Democratic ties. And it's saying that it will help gender-confused students leave their families and rehome them with new queer-friendly guardians instead, according to eternal materials obtained by the Daily Wire. The Pride Liberation Project which also says it can give money to students who run away and hide from their parents, garnered glowing headlines September 27th when it organized 12,000 high schoolers to walk out of class to protest a draft policy saying schools should not hide a student's gender transition from parents. Though billed as an organic group of high schoolers, taking the lead in the materials was Ariane Rawal, a college student who worked for a Virginia Democratic state lawmaker. Materials from the group's internal message board show its plans go much further than a walkout. A resources for outed students channel created by Rawal said the group would help children run away from their parents and arrange for them to be placed with new queer-friendly guardians. Okay, I mean, technically speaking, in any other context, we'd call that kidnapping. If you're an adult and you're encouraging a child to run away and house themselves with another adult, typically that would fall under the, the rubric of kidnapping, at least colloquially speaking. But it's okay, it's good, because the parents here are the bigots. If parents say to their kid, you know, honey, you may be confused. You may want to think this one through before you start the, the gender non-conforming hormones and start preparing to have your penis cut off. If a parent says that, we need to rehouse that kid immediately. We need to put them with a, a different set of queer-friendly parents. According to Raul, quote, we're creating this channel as a way for everyone to understand the mutual aid and support resources the PLP has available for outed and in-crisis students. For full transparency, this channel is catered to outed students who are facing familial rejection or need to leave their home for another reason. Well, that's a pretty broad carve out there. Need to leave their home for another reason? You mean like all the reasons? 
In the event of you needing to leave your home, we can provide you with emergency housing from a supportive, queer-friendly adult. I love this. They also caution, this person cautioned, quote, please note, this adult will likely be white because it's an upper-class white phenomenon. All of this stuff that's happening, you got, be careful, be careful. You might be housed with it. Don't worry that you're being housed with a, with a group of adults who are specifically opening their home just to kids who are running away from their parents because they have been indoctrinated into this cult of gender identity. That's, for, you know, that, that, that is bad news. But the real bad news, that, that's not really bad news. According to, The bad news, they might be white. They might be white, right? You as a parent, you're thinking about this and you're thinking, wow, the thing about that, that person who's housing my child and trying to indoctrinate them into an insane ideology is, is that they're taking my literal child and putting them in their house and trying to indoctrinate them in a cultish, faddish ideology that will ruin their life. But for the left, the big issue is that this person might be white. That's the, that's the real problem. Quote, we may not be able to provide you that housing the same night, but we anticipate we can secure someone to take you in within one to two days. We'll work with other supportive adult organizations in the region to find you someone who can provide you a kind and affirming home. The group raises money using the Democratic app, platform Act Blue. They also offer to pay for Ubers, Lyfts, and other passes if they need to leave immediately. Just how, how wonderful. By the way, it also pro promised to falsify documentation to hide a minor's activities from their parents. There's a section titled Covers Alibi that says, quote, if you attend an event or protest, we can work with you to craft a valid non-queer reason for you to have been there. Sometimes this may be a bit challenging, but we can use official sounding non-queer related email addresses, email addresses from prestigious universities and other resources so we can help you cover up what exactly your parents don't know. Okay, if this is not a danger to children, I don't know what's a danger to children. But don't worry, these are, these are the people who care about your kids. And anybody who points this out is the real danger at this point. We'll get to more on all of this in just one second. First, the weather is changing, but you know what has not changed for a long time? Your underwear drawer, which is why you need to stop rocking those worn out cotton undies. Now is the time for a new pair of Tommy John underwear, the best underwear to ever grace human tuchuses. Tommy John knows you're the most confident when you are the most comfortable. Name a problem with other underwear. Tommy John has solved all of those problems. Tommy John's breathable lightweight fabric has four times the stretch of competing brands. Thanks to a non-rolling waistband and legs that never ride up, they come with a no wedgie guarantee, which would have helped me tremendously in high school. Plus, they feature a horizontal quick draw fly with over 17 million pairs sold. People love Tommy John underwear. That's why Tommy John does not have customers. They have fanatics. Plus, Everything is back with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Head on over to tommyjohn.com slash Ben right now for 20% off your very first order. That's 20% off at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. tommyjohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. That's tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Again, I wear Tommy John every day. One of the beautiful things about Tommy John, very, very durable stuff. So that means you can put it through the wash a million times. It'll come out the same as it did the very first time when it came out of the package. Go check them out right now. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Get 20% off your very first order. Also, you know, it's hard to find great employees. I mean, right now, I'm abroad. I'm, like, I'm in Jerusalem. So who could I find to come? With? Well, Colton was there to come with me. And that is because of ZipRecruiter. Did you know that there are a lot of people who you can get who are great employees over at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire? Well, you can. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools, makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. If you're a fan of the show and you want to try ZipRecruiter for free, you need to remember my special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. You know, isn't the easiest working for this show. We are very mobile. We're moving all over the place. Plus, it's a fast-paced work environment. But that's why it's hard for us to find great employees, and that's why we rely on ZipRecruiter. You should do the same for your business. You deserve the best employees. 
And you shouldn't have to filter through a million resumes by hand. Instead, let ZipRecruiter do the hard work for you. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, you can try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Again, all of this suggests the, the ascendancy of, a, of an intolerant, terrible left-wing culture that refuses the possibility of any dissent, right? If you're a parent and you dissent from radical gender ideology, maybe your kid should run away from you. Or maybe in the end, we should be like Canada. We should consider actually removing your kid from your home using child protective services. If you are a reporter on these issues and you just repeat their words, then presumably big tech should ban you and the attorney general of the United States should investigate you. And what's more, if you fail to go to a movie promoted by members of the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign, happy face emoji, pound sign, hashtag symbol, carrot sign, tilde, little squiggly thing that goes over the Spanish letters. If you fail to go to a movie that is, that is made by people who are ensconced in that agenda, in fact, the entire agenda of the movie is that, this means you're a bigot. We can tell you're a bigot. It's, it's not just that you, you didn't say anything about the movie. You didn't even know the movie existed. You didn't care about the movie. You saw the trailer, you thought, oh, that kind of sucked. You didn't want to see it. Nope. You, my friend, are a bigot. And this is why it is apparently headline news that the movie Bros has now died at the box office. So Bros is supposed to be a groundbreaking film. And again, now I've talked about this before, that there is a, there's something I call face tattoo phenomenon, which is where, you know, you walk into the Starbucks, there's some dude with a face tattoo, and you're like, wow, that guy has a face tattoo. And you're like staring at it because it's all weird because it's like all over his face. And, uh, and he's like, what are you staring at, man? What are you staring at? Like your face tattoo. That's what, like, so you do a thing to garner attention. People see it and they don't particularly love it. And then it's like, why are you even noticing that? It's because you're a bigot, aren't you? It's because you're mean, aren't you? It's because you're bad, aren't you? Like that's your thing. Okay, so this is what we are seeing now with bros. So bros completely imploded. So there was huge press for this movie. Billy Eichner, who frankly I'd never heard of. I guess he was on Girls, which again is a show that I really didn't watch because I'm a straight man. Billy Eichner, he, um, he, he made a movie called Bros. It is supposed to be a groundbreaking rom-com. And it was a, I mean, we are talking a dud. This thing had a $22 million budget. It had a $30 million marketing budget. $30 million. Okay, so that is $52 million combined on this film, just for the marketing and the production. And we're not talking about like overseas. We're talking about just domestically. $52 million. It's opening weekend, $5.4 million. I'm sorry, wrong. Four point eight million dollars for less than $5 million on 3,350 screens, $4.8 million on 3,350 screens. So I calculated this yesterday, but I'm just going to do it again for those who missed it. Okay. That means that per screen, per screen average, $1,432, $1,432. Okay. So let's assume an average ticket price. Let's go like $12. We'll go low average ticket price of $12. Okay. That means that each theater sold not for one show, for the entire weekend, for the entire weekend, which presumably you're talking like at a minimum, you're talking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You're talking a minimum of probably seven to eight shows a theater. 119 tickets per theater for seven, for seven to eight shows. Okay, so just to chart that out for you, let's assume that there were not even that many. Let's assume there were six shows a weekend, okay, which is really low. That means there were 20 people in each theater. 20. Okay, that, that would be a high-end estimate of the number of people who showed up per theater to this movie. That is a massive dud, a huge dud. Okay, so the reason this is a big story is because, number one, Billy Eichner had made a big deal out of all this. Like, he went on national TV and he said to demonstrate that, that this is a tolerant, diverse country, you need to come see the movie. And then he did an entire thread about how angry he was that people had not seen his movie. 
right? He was, he was really pissed that people didn't see his movie. So why don't we begin with why people didn't actually see bros? Okay, so first of all, I just want to play you a little bit of the trailer. And you tell me whether this is a movie that you wish to see if you are not a gay man, right? Which is like, I assume that many gay men saw this movie, that out of the 20 people in the theater, a significant portion of them were gay men. Because I cannot imagine a huge number of other people wanted, I mean, I don't have to imagine it. I know the box office numbers. No one else saw this movie. So here is a little bit of the trailer. Hey guys, it's Bobby Lieber coming to you from the future home of the LGBTQ plus museum. Everyone is really excited and totally getting along. This happens to be Bisexual Awareness Week and no one has acknowledged it. Lesbian History Month was in March. Nobody said a goddamn thing. Of course, lesbians get a month and we get a week. So what's happening? Didn't you guys have an announcement? This is a little unexpected, but we are in a throuple situation. You're in a throuple? Um, does that seem like a thing that you'd like to see? Does that, like, I didn't even play you the whole trailer. I just played you, like, a little bit of it. Is that, is that something that you are desperate to see? Are you, like, rushing out to see that right now? So um, I can give you a few reasons why people did not see this movie. One, what was the, I just want to know what the elevator pitch for this movie was. Seriously, what was the elevator pitch where they're, like, people are going to be dying to see this rom-com. I'm just going to read you a few details. I will fully admit, I have not seen the movie. I have no intention of seeing the movie, just like apparently every other human being in the United States, with the exception of Billy Eichner's immediate friend circle. So I'm just going to read you a review from somebody who has seen the movie because Kyle Smith apparently was forced to see the movie for the Wall Street Journal because he gets paid to actually review these things. So here is what he writes about the film. He says, Mr. Eichner, who stars as Bobby, a New York podcaster who is starting what he calls the first LGBT plus history museum, has a lot of thoughts to get off his chest, most of them dyspeptic, about both gay life and perceptions of it. Near the start of the movie, Bobby says that the catchphrase love is love is a lie, that gay people were forced to deploy it in order to win equal treatment. In reality, he contends, gay sex and relationships differ greatly from heterosexual norms. Mr. Eichner then sets out to prove that thesis. But by the way, I think that he's actually correct about this, right? I think Dan Savage has said this, right? That pretending that gay relationships are like male, female, straight, monogamous relationships as a typical matter is not true. Okay, so him proving that, that the problem is not, pe people don't generally want to watch that. It, it happens to be the case that the best way to sell a monogamous gay relationship is as the same as a male-female relationship in nearly all respects except one of the persons is, is of the same sex as the other person. But when you kind of turn over that, that, that rock and it turns out that Billy Eigner's sex life is like gay orgies, and that's what everybody was fighting for, that people are like, okay, so, but it turns out that's what the movie is. Quote, the culture of gay men, as Mr. Eichner and Mr. Stoller depict it, is one in which wild dance parties, drugs, and the availability of random internet hookups forestall emotional bonds. Bobby prides himself on never seeking any kind of lasting attachment to any of the men he sleeps with. So does the guy who catches his eye at a rave, the mild-mannered lawyer Aaron, a genial Luke McFarlane. As loud, pushy, neurotic as Bobby is, Aaron is cool, confident, and poised. Someone dubs him the gay Tom Brady. The two men consider the pursuit of love to be taboo, and even see the word dating as off-putting, implying exclusivity. To clarify to each other that lust is all that is being indulged, the pair's first bedroom encounter involves two other men also. And the movie expends lots of imagination on similarly ribald sex jokes. So um, you're not just going to watch two dudes in a rom-com. You're going to watch a bunch of dudes nailing each other. That's, that, that was the pitch. That was the elevator pitch right here. Also, apparently th this, this movie contains discussions about whether Abraham Lincoln was gay. No. Also, there, there, there are significant conversations, apparently, with a second grade teacher about why small children need to learn gay culture. Quote, because in his view, such instruction must begin as soon as possible, lest gay people be marginalized. Why wouldn't anyone want to see this film? I can't imagine. It must be bigotry. There's no other reason. 
Also, by the way, what is the pitch of the film? Okay, what exactly are the stakes of the film? So typically speaking, when you are uh, when you are doing a rom-com, the stakes of the film are, are the people going to get together forever, right? Is it happily ever after? Do they get married or not? Do they get married and do they have kids? Right? This is the unspoken stakes of every rom-com ever is will the male and female fall in love and then form a family? Because it turns out all of society rests on the formation of male-female family units and pair bonding and the creation of children and raising of them. That's the stakes of rom-coms, which is why rom-coms typically feature young, marriageable age and childbearing age people. There are a few rom-coms like really old people, but those are not the ones that most rom-coms are about, right? Most rom-coms are like Sandy Bullock at the age of 30 and Bill Pullman at the age of 32 and they're, and they're falling in love, right? That, that's what most rom-coms are. Why? Because all of human society rests on this. What are the stakes of this movie? Quote, the payoff joke is that they might possibly be ready to commit to three months of more or less exclusive dating. Wow, high stakes there for the rom-com. Will they only bang each other? Or will they bang each other plus other people? And for how long? So I wonder, I mean, so again, elevator pitch was gay dudes having a lot of promiscuous sex. Maybe they'll do it with not other gay dudes, but just with each other for like a few months. Also, just to note here, rom-coms, straight men don't like them. Straight men have to be dragged to rom-coms by their girlfriends or wives. There, is, there are zero straight men in the history of humanity who have ever been on like a Friday night, man, there's a new Creed movie out. There, there's, an, there's a new Predator movie out. Also, there is a brand new rom-com starring Kate Blanchett. Let's go, wh what's the choice, guys? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Jennifer Lopez is out in Made in Manhattan or theoretically, we could watch Terminator. Like what? There's never been a straight dude ever who's been like, oh, that's what, okay. So you're starting off with, if you're going to do a rom-com, the chief audience you're seeking is women, right? Women are the ones who you're seeking. It turns out that, you know what women really like watching about rom-coms? You know what they like about romances? Women in them. It turns out that, that I know that failing the Bechdel test is actually not a, it's not a, a good strategy for bringing in audiences to the rom-com, right? Rom-com is a female-centric category. And so women want to see, women typically fall in love with men. I know this is like groundbreaking stuff right here. And we're not allowed to say it. We're supposed to pretend that like women will just go to a lesbian drama. I'm sorry, as a general rule, no. Women want to see women fall in love with men in a rom-com. That is what, since Pride and Prejudice, this has been the case. So the pitch was, what if we do a rom-com, which you dudes don't want to see? So, and also women won't want to see it because it's two dudes banging each other. That, that, that'll, be the, that'll be the pitch. That's the elevator pitch. So you know how that elevator pitch gets greenlit? Because it's so important, guys. It's so important. That's why it gets greenlit. Because it's so darned important. And then when it fails, predictably, because the trailer looks bad, because the topic is not something that is wildly interesting to either straight men or women, generally, lesbian or straight, the, and then it dies on the butt. The answer is because you're a bigot. Because you're a bigot. Right, so this is what Billy Eichner said. So, uh, by, by the way, the, the funniest thing about Billy Eichner calling everybody a bigot is that he actively alienated all possible audiences for his film. He actively alienated them. Here are some quotes from Billy Eichner, okay? This is from June of 2022. Quote, get your fictional hateful Bible stories and your fake fictional religious bullshit out of our lives, you. That is a direct quote from Billy Eichner. So, you, you feel like going to see his, his movie? Does, it'll reflect your values, probably. probably. Probably it's a way for him to, you know, mainstream his, uh, his ideas of love. Uh, and then uh, somebody else recently, and a couple of days ago, tweeted about how there were some boos in the theater for his uh, for his crap trailer. And he tweeted out, amazing. Thank you for shouting back. I'm hearing stories like this about the bros trailer in theaters. So let me just say, fuck those people. We didn't make bros for them. We made it for smart people with good taste. Excited to be releasing it in the middle of a culture war. 
uh, you lost. I mean, like, it, you, you shouldn't declare a culture war and then just get destroyed, which is exactly what happened. Because again, not because people are bigots, but because you have chosen to run directly into the teeth of pretty much all movie-going publics ever, and also into the teeth of what most people consider to be decent values. And forget about gay or straight. Most people consider decent values to be you fall in love with one person, then you form a life with them. Even for people who are pro-same-sex marriage, that was the pitch. The pitch was never, we are going to form di dyadic relationships that also have the possibility of open marriage and and maybe at some point we'll like put it on a piece of paper. But then we'll, like that was the entire pitch for same-sex marriage. Was it not? But Billy Eigner overthrows that. And then he's like, why won't anybody watch my film? So now he's mad. So he tweets out, quote, Last night, I snuck in and sat in the back of a sold-out theater playing Bros in L.A. So this was the only sold-out theater in all of America. The audience howled with laughter, start to finish, burst into applause at the end, and some were wiping away tears as they walked out. It was truly magical. Really, I am very proud of this movie. If you have to say this about your own movie, it's not great. Rolling Stone already has Bros on the list of best comedies of the 21st century. Wow, Rolling Stone. Oof, oof. What's also true? is that at one point, a theater chain called Universal and said they were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. Universal convinced them not to. America, fuck yeah, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because America is filled with bigots, obviously. Now, I should note at this point that Brokeback Mountain grossed domestically $83 million when it came out in 2006. And it does have a graphic gay sex scene. Yeah, I should note that The Birdcage grossed, I believe, $134 million domestic in 1996. Philadelphia grossed 80s, 70 some million, 77 million domestic in 1993. So for decades, people have been watching gay people being gay in movies. It's just they don't like your movie. Like, I'm sorry to break it to you. They don't like your movie. Quote, but he says, it's because you're a bigot, right? That's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomatoes scores, an A cinema score, etc. Straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. You know who you should blame? You should blame all of your liberal friends. They all agree with you, but apparently they're all homophobes. That's who you should blame. You should blame all the people who patted you on the back, all the studio execs and their friends. That's who you should blame. He concludes, everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go bros. Um, yeah, man. So uh, I'm sorry that your movie failed. I'm not really sorry your movie failed, actually. I think that uh, it is a, a sign of the health of the Republic that your garbage movie, which apparently promotes promiscuity punctuated by small periods of monogamy, did, did poorly. But uh, it is just indicative of the intolerance of a value system that declares itself the most, value, most tolerant value system on the block. One final note on this topic, because this tweet just cannot be ignored. So Lena Dunham, who I, I've been reliably informed is still a human, and also did a show, which I've been told starred Billy Eichner in it, right? Is Billy Eichner in Girls? I, I believe that is the case. Okay, so Lena Dunham, she tweeted out with no apparent sense of irony, quote, when I go, I want my casket to be driven through the New York City Pride Parade with a plaque that reads, quote, she wasn't for everyone, but she was for us. Who can arrange? You want to know who greenlit bros? People like Lena Dunham. This is an endless blooming onion of cringe. I mean, my goodness, declaring herself a gay hero and saying that she wants her casket driven through a pride parade because she's just, she's declaring herself this way. Declaring, well, 
sadly for Billy Eichner, there weren't enough Lena Dunham's on planet Earth to make his film a success. And so we weep a final tear for a film that is bombing on the level of Ishtar. Okay, in just a second, we are going to get to the latest in Ukraine, where Elon Musk is now in a bleep fight with the Ukrainian government. But first, in an economy as volatile as this one, it's important to have control when you are making a big purchase, like a brand new car, which is why my new partners at CarZing can help you solve your problem. CarZing is completely changing the way you can buy a car online. An online car shopping website with millions of listed vehicles, CarZing works with over 25,000 dealers nationwide to help you find your dream car. By partnering with credit agencies, lenders, and dealerships, CarZing provides you with everything you need before you set foot in a dealership. Their mission is to make auto financing quick and easy while providing a modern, hassle-free way of shopping for cars. Their innovative technology and financial tools provide consumers with the ability to instantly pre-qualify online without affecting your credit score. Plus, you can search for vehicles with instant financing details, including down payment, monthly payment, term, and APR. Once you find that dream car at your ideal budget, all you have to do is bring your saved deal voucher with you to the dealership and finalize your next ride. And you're skipping like a bunch of steps in this process because of Carzing. Carzing offers transparency to the max. You know your purchasing options before you even set foot into the dealership. It makes the whole process way more convenient. Visit Carzing.com slash Ben today. Skip the guesswork. Find the best deals near you. That is Carzing.com slash Ben. C-A-R-Z-I-N-G.com slash Ben. Remember that McLaren that Jeremy was driving around in that commercial for Jeremy's Razors? That's like a $250,000 car. You could win that car or the cash. Okay, here's how you could win that car or the cash. It's this simple. And like the opportunity is open right now. So what are you doing? A quarter million dollars we are talking about right here. All you have to do is refer a bunch of people to get Jeremy's Razors or to get a Daily Wire Plus subscription. That's it. Right now, the leaders in the clubhouse, we're talking about people who haven't hit like 10 referrals yet. So if you sold like 50, 60, 70, 80 referrals, then um, you probably end up with a $250,000 car. I'm just going to put that right out there right now. That is the likelihood. Right now, all you have to do to get involved is go to jeremysrazors.com slash play and get your referral link and you can get started. All righty. Meanwhile, as the Russian government fails in Ukraine to consolidate any of its gains, they, they annexed all of these areas and now they can't even defend any of these areas. The risk of nuclear war is rising. We talked about this pretty substantially yesterday on the show. The risk continues to rise because Vladimir Putin is being boxed in. And at a certain point, there are only a few possibilities. One, Vladimir Putin goes, best case scenario, Vladimir Putin, he gets the message, he leaves Ukraine entirely, and then he just sort of sits around, everything's okay. Do you think that's going to happen? Or do you think he's going to do exactly what Stalin did when he was losing the Winter War in Finland in 1940 and dump hundreds of thousands of troops back in there in a mass offensive? Or, worst case scenario, do you think that he maybe fires off a tactical nuclear weapon on the battlefield in Ukraine? Right, that's a possibility too. By the way, it is worth noting here that even if Vladimir Putin were to leave Ukraine and his regime were to destabilize, the people who are likely to take over are not going to be democracy-minded liberal people. It's not going to be Navalny taking over Russia. The people who are all surrounding Putin are maybe harder core than even Putin is. We're talking about people like Shoigu, who's the current head of the military. We're talking about his spy chief over at the FSB. Okay, the people who are surrounding Putin who are the most likely people to plant a knife between Putin's shoulder blades or defenestrate him by chucking him out a third story window like he does to most of his enemies. Those people are not anybody's best friends either. Okay, so there are not a lot of great outcomes here, all of which prompted Elon Musk to put out a tweet regarding what should happen next in Ukraine. So what he tweeted out was four suggestions under the heading Ukraine-Russia peace. Here are the suggestions. One, redo elections of the annexed regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves if that is the will of the people. So first of all, he's assuming that Russia would do that. Very unlikely. Very, very unlikely. But as long as he's being pie in the sky, here's his proposal. Two, 
Crimea formally becomes a part of Russia as it has been since 1783 until Khrushchev made the mistake of calling it part of Ukraine. Three, water supply to Crimea assured. So you can't starve them out if you are Ukraine. And four, Ukraine remains neutral, meaning it doesn't formally align with the West. It doesn't join NATO. It doesn't join the EU. And basically, all that's happening here is that Elon Musk is looking for an off-ramp. There's a poll, right? There's a poll with the answers yes or no. No was winning pretty substantially. And Musk thinks that that is because of bot attacks. But he says, quote, this is highly likely to be the outcome in the end. Just a question of how many die before then. So it's also worth noting that a possible, albeit unlikely outcome from this conflict is nuclear war. And so what he is saying here is not wildly out of the box. Henry Kissinger has said something very, very similar. There are a lot of, I've said stuff that's similar about there needs to be some sort of off-ramp here because if you are looking to avoid the worst case scenario, which would be the firing of a tactical nuclear weapon, which would necessitate, as General David Petraeus suggested, like mass NATO bombing of Russian assets, which means direct war between NATO and Russia, which increases the likelihood of use of a tactical nuclear weapon. Afterward, right? Let's say that Russia uses a tactical nuke. And let's say that NATO then gets directly involved in the war. Do you think Russia is going to stop at the use of one tactical nuclear weapon? Like, what would they have gained from doing this? The answer is not much, right? This thing could spiral out of control. Now, it's possible it's all a big bluff. It's possible that Putin is just bluffing. It's also possible that the most likely scenario here is that the West acts like it cares about this topic. And then by this time next year, they've started to wind down the funding. Russia has started to reconsolidate some of its gains in Luhansk, Donetsk, and Crimea. And they end up claiming that territory anyway, just with a lot more dead people. Hey, there, there are a lot of options here that are on the table. But what, what Musk is suggesting here is not totally crazy. And it is worth noting here that Elon Musk also put Starlink over Ukraine to ensure that people in Ukraine actually have internet access in the middle of this. It'll cost about $80 million to himself. Right? As he tweeted, we gave Starlinks to Ukraine and lost $80 million in doing so while putting SpaceX and myself at serious risk of Russian cyber attack. Okay, but you are not allowed to say this. Right? To, even, to even suggest that maybe there needs to be a negotiated solution to this thing is a real problem. So, for example, you had the Ukrainian ambassador to Germany responding directly to Elon Musk by basically suggesting that he F off. Right? This was his response. He tweeted out, F off is my very diplomatic reply to you, Elon Musk. Now, again, I don't blame the people of Ukraine for feeling that way. I don't. I mean, this is like the people of Finland, 1939, 1940, saying we are not going to do a negotiated settlement. But the question is whether there are a lot of other options in Ukraine. And you know, again, unless the West is willing to go all out here, which is a point that Neil Ferguson, the historian, has made, that the West is not just going to have to shore up Ukraine on a, on a military level. They're going to have to shore them up on an economic level. They're going to have to make them a ward of the West for the foreseeable future unless they're willing to really escalate this thing in terms of the weaponry being provided to Ukraine and in terms of the economic aid being provided to Ukraine. Well, then the likelihood is that Russia freezes out Europe during the winter, gradually over time, interest in this thing wanes, and Russia reconsolidates a lot of ground. Now, being realistic about this thing does not mean that you're anti-Ukraine. I'm very much pro-funding Ukraine to fight Russia. All I'm saying is that we have to be realistic about how far we're willing to go. The West has a very nasty habit of overcommitting verbally and then not actually fulfilling those commitments. Just ask the people of Afghanistan who right now are suffering from mass starvation and complete subjugation at the hands of the Taliban. Speaking of which, by the way, Joe Biden, right, he apparently just left a bunch of Afghan interpreters behind. This is what I keep saying. When we make commitments, very often in the United States, if it is a short-term commitment with an actual end, we can keep that commitment. That's like the first Gulf War. If, however, it is a long-term commitment, the United States does not have the appetite for that sort of stuff. The United States does not have the appetite for long-term war. This is why, according to the LA Times, 
During the last 12 years, one Afghan interpreter worked as an interpreter for U.S. government contractors training Afghan national police and army forces to do his job. But this interpreter failed to counter intelligence screening after mixing up the Western and Afghan calendars when telling an agent the date of a work trip in Pakistan. As a result, this guy was fired and his application for U.S. visa was denied in 2021, just a few months before the remaining U.S. troops left his country as the Taliban took power. The rapid and disorganized exit from Afghanistan a year ago left many people in danger under Taliban rule. Among them are interpreters like this one guy who apparently referred to themselves as blacklisted and said they were unjustly barred from getting visas promised to Afghans who helped the U.S. advocacy groups such as the International Refugee Assistance Project say thousands have been affected. The State Department declines to comment on all individual cases. But again, this just reminds you that we did actually leave hundreds of Americans behind in Afghanistan in our rush to get out. One of the things that the West must be very careful of is do not overpromise. If you're going to make a promise, deliver on the promise. And again, you can do that in the short term with an actual off-ramp. If there is no off-ramp ever, we can pretend that we're going to keep doing this forever. But the realistic history of the United States on foreign policy shows we will not. Ask the people of Kurdish areas of Iraq. Ask the people of Iraq themselves. Ask the people of Afghanistan. Ask the people of Hong Kong. All over the world, there are people who have allied themselves with the United States on the assumption that the United States would give open-ended guarantees of their security. And over and over and over, the United States public gets tired of that sort of stuff and withdraws. And so before the same happens in Ukraine, it might be worthwhile trying to get to some form of settlement that actually looks not like nuclear war. Already, we've reached the end of today's show. We'll be back here with much, much more after Yom Kippur. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Yeah. 